Welcome to another hard-hitting episode of Customer Cafe by Calabria. Calabria is a tool that turns good account managers into great account managers through the power of great collaboration. A great account manager is a team player. This podcast is made for those in sales, customer success, and account management as a place to caffeinate, ideate, and collaborate. Subscribe now for the latest brew. Let's hit the grind. Hey everyone, welcome back. Welcome to the show. My name is Menachem and I'm the VP Growth at Calabria. And I am Sharon Weiss-Greenberg and I am the Senior Content and Community Manager at Calabria as well. You know, sometimes you, meeting you here. sometimes you say senior, sometimes you don't. I, I know. Every, every time I'm, I'm wondering which way moment. it's going to go. Oh, well, yeah, this time you did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and before I introduce our guests, uh, who are very excited to have, uh, I just want to say a quick note uh, about Calabria. Uh, we are uh, looking for design partners and early beta users uh, to test out our collaboration app uh, that's geared towards sales, customer success, and account managers. Uh, if you use Outlook, uh, if you're generally on uh, Microsoft uh, and you are in sales or something customer facing, and I feel like you might be if you're listening to this podcast, uh, we would love to talk to you and we would love to get your uh, advice and feedback on what we're doing. Please tell us what we're doing right, if anything, and what we're doing wrong. I'm sure there's lots. Um, with Just go to uh, Calabria.com uh, and it's pretty easy to get started. Uh, and without further ado, we're joined today by uh, Andrea Galvez the VP of Client Success and Membership at Financial Health Network. Uh, she's a brand ambassador at RevGenius. And in RevGenius, she is the co-lead of Rev, RevAble, an inclusive space for Rev professionals who have chronic illness, a disability, or are neurodiverse. Uh, Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited you're here. Okay. Tell us about RevAble. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to share, we are a growing community inside of the Rev Genius community. I know that you've had um, for your listeners, Jared, Robin on the podcast um, to talk about Rev Genius, but for those who aren't aware, we are a community of Rev professionals um, and that spans the entire customer journey. So marketing, CS, sales, and all of its flavors. Um, and this is a niche space within that community exclusively for people who either are living with a disability or a neurodiverse or who are just allies of people in the space. So um, caregivers or people who um, are, have friends in the space or just want to um, really better understand people who are living with this reality. Um, so I'm thrilled to be a co-lead of that space and it's growing. No, your listeners are invited. How did you decide to create this group and 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 what what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. So here I have to give some mad props to um, the original lead of this. Her name is Catherine, and she recently uh, stepped away, although she's still part of the community. This was really kind of her brain baby, so to speak, to to start mm-hmm. it. Um, and I personally am passionate about this space. I'll tell you a little bit about my personal journey um, here and then 
how it read to Rev Abel. So I am a chronic illness warrior is the term that I like to use. I have a chronic disease called ulcerative colitis, which is very similar to Crohn's disease, if people have heard about that. And it's something that I have shared pretty openly throughout my leadership career. But when I was kind of boots on the ground working, was afraid to share it um, for a lot of reasons. And it's something that absolutely impacts who I am as a person and who I am as a professional. And so I had been in spaces um, more like support group style where the people in the group are from all different walks of life, but you're all dealing with, you know, ulcerative colitis or, and, you know, another chronic illness, but I hadn't ever been in a space where everybody was doing kind of the same job every day mm-hmm. or the same flavor, um, and dealing with this. And so I was really compelled by that and wanting to share kind of support the trials um, that come with this life with people who are also working towards, you know, the next quarter, so to speak. Um, so yeah, so Catherine uh, approached me, I joined the space and was just kind of active there. And she approached me about co-leading it and we're really thrilled um, to to grow the space and just be there for people who who need it. What sort of activities or support uh, do you do for uh other warriors uh like yourself that that's specific to you know sales and revenue like what's the um we're 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 yeah you know, those are two totally different circles totally of, di- you know, so we're still trying to figure it out and chronic illness what's yeah. the where's the overlap and like how do you live in that space yeah what does that mean? such a good question thank you i got so excited i even talked over you as you were asking it i'm just like yes this is important so we are honestly still figuring it out and we invite people the community to come and help us build this space but the things that drive people in the rev space as professionals which are typically like achievement and um like really internally motivated or sometimes even money motivated like you want to win those are all stressors which when you have a chronic illness can like make the chronic illness worse. So that's definitely the place where I see the intersection, like helping people manage that competitive um, drive with Mm. the reality of their body or their mind. Now, the other side of it, many of the people in the community are neurodiverse and that comes with its own set of challenges, particularly when you're customer facing um, and maybe don't have all of um, or the same social tools, I would say, um, or managing like communic- like organization processes and like how you keep yourself on task. Um, so I know that connects with Calabria a little bit. We can get there. Um, but I think that there are a lot of intersections between the the people who are in the space and the work that they're doing every day and so what do we do for them so we serve as a support community so we have weekly roundtables and we've started to theme those so that um, they're more focused on the the area of support that people need like if you're job searching which is really hard if you have a chronic illness or a neurodiverse 
or if you are just trying, if you're early in your career and you're trying to figure out this work um, versus like, hey, I'm a leader and now I'm leading a team and how do I manage um, through that? Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know, um, the world has changed in, you know, in lots of ways in recent years. When it comes to being more inclusive, you know, many steps have been made in a variety of fields. When it comes to companies and either in hiring processes or um, being inclusive in terms of policies or what have you, have things changed and what what has changed look like? Oh man, this is such a good question. I I think that um, this really is dependent on where you find your feet, right? Like what organization you're currently at. Mm -hmm. But as a whole, society is certainly moving in the right direction. I would say when I entered the professional world, I would never have shared um, that I have a disability. And now I feel fine being on a podcast talking about it. So I think that that is progress for sure, personally for me, but also for society. I I would love to say like, hey, we're all going to be more inclusive in the future. That would be the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll take a lot of hard work from a lot of people. And so certainly invite everybody into the process. Um, it's not a given. Is Rev able a space for those who are looking to help change workplaces yeah. no matter their, okay. So that, yeah, that's absolutely. So we also within Rev Genius have other um, communities for identity related issues, well, support. Um, we have a Rev Women and a Rev Rainbow. And I would encourage anybody listening who cares about the kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion space to get involved either in all of those, because we are all all intersexual and I am a woman, I'm in the red woman space too. Um, Or uh, yeah, yes. Um, Or just in the one that is most compelling to you. Um, Mm -hmm. If you find yourself privileged to not be in, have any of these identities. So let, let's uh, Andrea. Let's let's talk about your your career until now. Uh, yeah. You know, you're the VP of Client Success. Um, you manage a team. Yes. How many How many people? So we have five customer success managers. We just recently right. lost one. So we had six. Um, job market's crazy out there, folks. And yeah. uh, we sit on a team of about 25 people, which spans the customer lifecycle from sales, marketing, and then CS. On the end. Wow. And how did you get started there? Yeah. So I grew up, so to speak, um, in the marketing world, but I like to say I've always been a salesperson. I have it in my blood. I grew up around a family of salespeople, um, usually like non-glamorous, non-traditional sales, um, like hawking firewood, (laughs) for instance. Um, But also like really successful salespeople in the professional world. And so I saw that growing up um, and I was like, any good daughter, definitely not going to do what my parents did. And so (laughs) I am going to go do marketing instead. which has been super helpful for me about my career. I think some of the things that keep um, a marketer aligned with 
other revenue professionals is this focus on the customer. And that was, you know, driven into me and my everyday work as an early marketer and something that I brought through to my career and customer success today. It's, it's um, so interesting. It's so interesting how like, uh, you know, an early career and then kind of a, a pivot, a slight pivot can you, you, you carry so much with you from, from where you came from uh, yeah. and apply it into a new, into a new role that, that gives you, you know, that's, that's what makes people different in, in the way they approach, you know, uh, jobs. Uh, you know, you're in customer success and you bring a marketing background to it, which is not something that anyone would necessarily look for. Like if you're oh, I'm hiring somebody for client success, uh, you need to have a marketing background. Like it's right. weird, but like it's, it really gives you kind of a good, you know, T-shaped uh, skill set. Um, yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, so I went and got my MBA um, and was the idea is I wanted to learn more about all of these different practices, right? Um, which is what you do mm-hmm. in the formal learning uh, environment. But I would encourage anybody out there to go and figure out what the people on the other side of your fence that you're throwing stuff to do every day, um, because you're going to come back with more empathy for sure, but also just a deeper understanding um, of what they do and how the two or three or seven of you all could work together um, and be more successful for your customers. So I feel like I bring that to my everyday, having been on both sides. That's great. It's interesting. So you've kind of overlapped departments um, and yeah. you're encouraging people to, to do that. How do you, how, how do departments interact um, or how do you think they should interact in, in the workspace when it comes to sales? Yeah, you know, there's always been this historical um, conflict is the word I'll use between sales and marketing in particular. Like there's this like, mythical like oh no they're never going to work together or work together well kind of sense mm-hmm. um and i think a lot of that is just misaligned incentives and so i think when your organization can get all of the incentives lined up that becomes so much easier um so shout out to all the leaders writing your okrs um or mm-hmm. or rolling those out in january here ripping up the ones that you wrote a few months ago and right like oh no this world's totally different let's start over yeah. um i think that this calibration between teams is really important and there's a lot of different flavors of that again it depends on the organization but spending time on that is really important um, because you're going to lose a lot if you're not all aligned um, in the process let's get into the specifics i would love to i would love to kind of drill down there Um, but let's just start with like what's the structure of your organization like you, there's some sort of handoff from sales into client success. I'd, I'd love to hear and understand a little bit about, about that. And how does client success uh, interact with the rest of the company? How do you bring in the help that you need? How do you uh, share knowledge outside of your department? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I one of the things I love about being in CS is that it is like the center of the universe. You literally touch every part of the organization. Um, 
but the first touch is from sales. So as soon as they, there's a new client coming in, um, we have to determine how we're going to service them. And a lot of CS teams are just working on this now, are defining their segmentation and tiering models, which I could get like really nerdy in, but I know this isn't the CS podcast. Um, <laughs> so that's some of the work that I do as, as a VP of customer success, defining like how, what service level this incoming customer is going to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then assuming that they're going to be like a full touch enterprise client, assigning them a, a customer success manager. I think that um, the place that makes having a CS team worthwhile, which is up to debate, like this is an ongoing debate whether organizations should have CS teams, is when the customer success manager is equipped um, and empowered to go across lines within an organization to get the things that are needed for the customer and then share all that knowledge back to the team, right? There's so many customer insights that are just sitting in the CSM's mind that really need to go to product, that really need to go to engineering. Um, And I would say that that is a place that I haven't seen a lot of organizations get right right or at least not first yeah you guys get it right so we have a we're working on it (laughs) (laughs) Um, first step is acknowledging (laughs) yeah yeah i i think that we're all really intentional about it and my peers are really open to that and supportive of the cs team it helps that our ceo and leadership believe in cs um and that's Mm -hmm. where it starts everybody has some work to do we're startup we're like still figuring out our systems. So right. awesome. <laughs> Do you think that CS is sales? Um, so I have a really strong opinion on this. Um, awesome. so we would love organi- to hear it. <laughs> yeah. We love so in my opinions. organization. CS owns, um, retention, but also upsell and cross sell revenue numbers. Uh, so you and don't like bounce it back to sales to, to have that, like you cover that yourselves. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's really important from where I sit in the CS team that we're connected to revenue and get credit for that Mm -hmm. revenue that we're driving because it's not insignificant. And Mm -hmm. um, it is so much cheaper to keep a customer than to gain a new one. And so if we can, can you see us to do that? Then it, it, first of all, justifies why we even exist. But more importantly, it makes really passionate customers um, and advocates, which is what every business wants. Yeah. So, so do you think that for a successful CS rep, um, the North Star metric for them should be tied to revenue? Is that is that what like is that the yeah. one number that you look at? So here is my really strong opinion about this. Different than salespeople. I think CS sales numbers should be team sales numbers. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I've done this get, get with my that. team and it has been super successful because different between a sales people who have territories and can like, not that there's never infighting within sales teams because there certainly is, but there's what? more. What? Yeah. What? <laughs> uh, there's more defined space for you to go be a solo hunter 
CS is not that. CS is a team sport. And so there are things that you could be doing with your customer that somebody else or another customer really should be doing too, or you can get insights from them. And in our space, which is in financial services, and in probably most spaces, our customers talk. And so mm-hmm. they will know what another person is getting or not getting. And they actually want to talk to them. And if our customer success can enable that, um, that again, helps grow the relationship overall. And so my CSM should be helping each other. And so that really aligns goals, that aligns incentives, And we have um, shared goals and it's not just revenue. So we have an upsell number. We have a retention number, which is also revenue. We also have a usage number. And then we have a kind of a customer satisfaction number that we um, own. Mm -hmm. And I will say- Where does does the team goal come in? Like one rep is- All of those are team goals. Ah, okay. So so if one rep- underperforms but is kind of propped up by you know i'm playing devil's advocate here but it's probably they have up no by, friends no uh, <laughs> no but yeah. you know that yeah. that one rep can be propped up by the others so you know how do you exactly. avoid a situation like that or or is uh, that not a situation to avoid i don't think it's a situation to avoid and here's why um mm-hmm. and this i think comes from my marketing background and segmentation yeah. Not all customers are the same. And if you've done your CS tiering and segmentating correct, they're not going to have all the same kinds of customers. So one CS might not be able to deliver as much upsell, for instance, or, or expansion, but right. their Attention. customers love them, right? And so their CSAT numbers are going to be great. Whereas somebody who's maybe dealing with enterprise and is multi-threading and, you know, has come across the person in procurement that really doesn't like them and their CSAT number takes a dive for that. Um, There's a prop on the other side of that as well. Now, here's where this becomes challenging. And I would say is why most people or most organizations don't do it. It puts a lot of pressure on the leader, which is what where I sit to make sure my team is aligned, that they like actually like each other, that they want to help each other. And we spend a lot of time on that, making sure that we're a high performing team and high performing team and that we really are working together. Otherwise sharing goals could get messy. The other thing you have to be really clear about it too. They set the goals each year. They're involved in the process of what those numbers are. Mm-hmm. And so they're bought in at the very beginning um, and they understand, they do the math. They're like, hey, Jim that. is going to do this and Sarah is going to be able to, like they set their own little individual goals to get to the team goal. Wow. Okay. I love uh, that. And, Normally there's all this yeah. anxiety that goes in and it's like a surprise meeting with the quotas. And so this is really demystifying it. And I, I love yeah. Yeah, I mean, we start with like, here's our goal for the year, right? Mm-hmm. And then we just are we going to reach it, it together. So, so if it's a team goal, then the reps are all incentivized to help each other achieve their own personal goals. So, how do they do that? Are, do they are they coming on each other's calls? Are they are they stepping in? How how much involvement yeah. does one agent have with the the others? 
Yeah, so we have a lot of collaboration across the team. We have um, two team stand-ups a week, which mm -hmm. is a lot. Um, one is more like biz business related. We go over our numbers there. We talk about any changes, um, either could be product changes or it could be kind of organizational news. Um, and then another meeting every week, which is optional, which is just on, on account planning, essentially. So that's where brainstorming happening happens. So I have a hurdle or a roadblock. I don't know how to get over it with this client, or I learned this and it was super successful and I want to share it with the rest of the team. So a lot of the support happens in that meeting, but they absolutely will will jump on each other's calls if are if they're asked. I would say that happens a little less frequently just because they're all so busy with their own clients. Right. Um, but they also will share wins, which so sometimes it takes more than one person to to win, right? Whatever the win is. Um, and so they'll say like, Hey, I went to this person internally and got this done this way. And so then the, the CSM can have a roadmap. How do you, how do you share wins? What, 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 how do you celebrate them? Where, where do you, where does it go? Yeah. So we do it in that team meet, in that team meeting. And then I mentioned mm -hmm. we have a wider um, kind of revenue team and every mm -hmm. month we come together super short and we, we call out wins. So not only do we call out wins across the team, but then we have a deep dive into one big mm -hmm. win, which is a case study. And so everybody wants to be that month's case study, right? Um, yeah. And so that's super inspiring and motivating. Um, it's fun to see for sure. How does um, the larger revenue team interact with each other? Yeah, so we... Um, I mentioned this at the top, we're startups, so we are still figuring this out. Yeah. We have been under the same umbrella for about six months now. Um, mm -hmm. And we have been historically kind of a marketing-led organization. And so to bring mm -hmm. marketing under um, a chief market and de revenue development officer is certainly a change and a pivot for the organization, and we're still working do that. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the things I'm excited about being on the leadership team of this new joint team is the opportunity um, for the synergies that will come for everybody being super aligned so that what's in the market, our message that's in the market is the same message that's in our salespeople's mouths, which is the same message um, that our CSMs can share with their customers that's really exciting is is your whole team in the same place you're all in most of the team is remote so i live in texas um oh. and i have mm. uh teammates that report into me who live in seattle on the west coast and in florida on the east coast so we're spanning mm. multiple time zones oh, that sounds challenging I think that in the post-COVID world, this is just reality, right? Yeah. Like we just gotta yeah. figure it out. Um, were were you so distributed before COVID? Also, were were you not as distributed? We were distributed. Um, mm -hmm. So we had those office, those three offices 
and then pre-COVID, we also had a San Francisco office. Mm -hmm. um, but in the office, not every day. So we were really lucky. I saw a lot of colleagues, friends, peers when COVID came, kind of this rush to figure out how remote or working from home worked. I felt like we were really well positioned because we did that already. Um, but just not a hundred percent of the time for two years, three years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um so it wasn't new to the DNA of the organization, um, but we were really used to seeing each other in person. And so that is different that yeah. it, it happens more infrequently. I wonder when it comes to DEI, and I wonder if you have any either anecdotal or harder data, has this shift to being more remote, you, you would think that it, it would lend itself well to more parity and in, in equality. Are you seeing that? Yeah. So I just saw some research come out on this. And I think that the numbers were like, kind of like, Hey, don't quote me <laughs> on the mm -hmm. numbers, but I can dig those up. Um, but there's certainly a sentiment and I own this for myself as well, that um, the flexibility of being at home is really supportive for a human um, that has a disability in my case. I think there are other kind of DEI um, considerations that could be hurt from being in full-time remote. Um, mm -hmm. But for me, it, it has been really, really positive. And mm -hmm. I, I don't want to see a world where you are forced to go into the office by days a week in the future. I know certainly I wouldn't take a job that required that today. Also in sales in particular, there's a huge, huge advantage to having people in different time zones. Like you all yeah. overlap, you know, during certain periods of the day, and then you can treat the others as sacrosanct for, you know, picking up the phone or sending the emails or whatever it is, making yeah. videos. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a good, a uh, good point you asked earlier how my team support each other that is a hundred percent one of the ways when you have a team that spans all the time zones you can ask colleagues to pick up meetings that happen maybe outside of your work time the other thing about dei and equity um and i talked about intersectionality i am a female a lot of females in the workspace are required to have um you know, more at-home responsibilities than their male colleagues, which is not, it shouldn't be. I just don't think it should be, but it is the reality. And so, so like- Known as the third shift. The third shift. And so you're like, I can't take this call because I got to run and get my kids from daycare or from school, or I have to be a little league or whatever it is. And so we're in a position as an organization to say, great. Your colleague on the West Coast is going to take that call that happens uh, at mm. 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, and so I think those are some things that organizations can do to be supportive of people um, to live their lives and to live their whole lives um, within the context of your organization. Yeah. The, the era of nine to five is kind of over. Like some yeah. people's brains or personalities, it just works better at different hours of the day or night. And, and the flexibility is great for that. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so Andrea, we, we, we always like to ask our guests um, 
just about professional development and how, how did you, you know, the, the way that you got to where you are now, um, you know, you learn a lot from colleagues or from other sources, from ways that you, you know, kind of conduct your own professional development. What do you read? What do you listen to? Who do you follow? Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to make sure first, um, you, you asked about if I learned from colleagues and a hundred percent yes. And a ton of really amazing bosses and mentors along the way that, um, I'm actually thinking about doing a LinkedIn post to specifically tag all of them because there are so many people who have contributed to my professional success. Mm. And so shout out to all of the people who've been a part. Um, in terms of the people that I read, I really wanted to call out two books, Bias by Jennifer or, or Eberhardt, definitely slattering her last name. She also has a podcast called Armchair Expert. It's all about bias in the real world. It is going to literally rock your brain if you are just new to this space and give you really good mm. grounding of how it shows up literally day to day and systematically. And then the mm. other book that I would encourage readers to read is called Just Work by Kim Scott. Kim Scott, um, Radical Candor Fame. Her follow-up book is called Just Work. Um, mm. And it's really uh, like a workbook for leaders on how to get rid of bias in the workplace and all of its forms of prejudice and um, retaliation. And she like takes it all step by step. So highly encourage those for tech news and industry. So, so oh, she's better ahead. known, she's better known for radical candor, but you, you specifically recommend the, her other book just work. Yeah. I mean, radical yeah. candor also highly recommend if you haven't read it, um, go listen to some of the podcasts. Right. I mean, that one, that one I have read that that's the, yeah. the one that everyone talks about, but I'm, I'm interested now. And, uh, in yeah, this other yeah. I would say that her just work, um, like she has a consulting arm now mm -hmm. that she does is co-chaired by her co-author. Um, but I really appreciate the diverse voices in the consulting practice that doesn't show up as much in the book, but it's a good primer. Definitely go and read it. And I, I had interrupted you. You're gonna, you're gonna say something else. Yeah, I think anybody in the rev space needs to be up on industry trends and what's happening in the marketplace. And I have started to turn to newsletters for that. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I wanted to call out a few Allison Pickens and Joe Sweeney from Workweek are great. Um, they're quick and easy. And then Chessie Pucci, she, he has, um, it's really quick newsletter is called a uh, three, one, four. So it's three links, one thought and four tweets. And that's always entertaining. And I get something new from it every time. And then Anne Hanley's newsletter, which is about writing, but yeah. um, she's hilarious. If you're not following her, um, she has a lot of, you know, funny antidotes and recommendations on how to make sure people understand you. And then I, you asked about colleagues, but I wanted to call out communities. And we talked about Rev Genius okay. at the top, and that is something that I care about. I want to give a shout out to that community and specifically Jared, what he's building. Um, and then the other community that I really have gotten huge value from is the OnDeck community, which is um, a tech focused um, entrepreneurial environment. 
um, the execs on deck, which is the executive leadership cohort program led by Laura Thompson. I went through last year, they're recruiting for the next cohort. Um, <laughs> highly, highly recommend wink, wink. that space. Awesome. I love how you really, you're really out of the box with this. Um, how you really try to think about all the different ways to grow and learn and also just in ways that's palatable, like um, a news, like no one has said newsletters. So go you. <laughs> that's great. Awesome. I have what to subscribe to. Yeah. They're easy to come to your mailbox. It just makes it um, more automatic. Which yeah. I'm I mean, we like podcasts too, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you know any good ones? <laughs> um, you know, I hear this, this one called sales cafe. I think that that's a pretty good <laughs> one. Um, I'm actually not a huge podcast fan, which is funny, um, because I don't have a commute. So I don't have like when I, I, listening time. I shortened my commute from like a 10 minute drive, which is already ridiculously short, but to a three minute walk. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it, it cut into my podcast time a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now um, you have now, to do it when you're like cleaning or something, I, but yeah, I do it. Well, I, I do the dishwasher while I'm like, yeah. yeah um, Andrea Galvez, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we thank really you, appreciated you. you having you on and hearing your thoughts. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having yeah. me. I really had fun. Thanks for joining us for today's brew. Like what you heard? Let the world know. Leave a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Subscribe now so you never miss an exciting episode. See you soon!